open our Bibles to 1 Peter. We're still in chapter 1. Chapter 1, and today we're really going to look at, <coughs> excuse me, verses uh, 13, 12, 13, maybe even 14. We might even go a little further than that. Let me pray again. Father, thank you again for the worship uh, time to be reminded of what a, a, what a, a gracious amount of things you did for us uh, and what kind of a king you are. Uh, we pray this morning you would be our teacher. Help us to, to hear from you. Whatever it is that applies to ourselves, may we walk out with it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we all have interesting standards for our lives. You know, some people are just uh, driven. Some, some flow through life having the gayest of times. I remember as a kid, I'd come home from school. I'd have a, a paper that had a 98 on it. And my dad would look at it and he'd smile real big and he'd say, that's great. But what happened to those other two points? Now, he was, he was being funny. He was not being an obnoxious uh, parent. But, but the idea was, you know, Sherry, you could, what, what's with the 98? Let's, we're slipping a little here. Um, on the other hand, with one of my brothers, there was never any of that kind of discussion. And he's probably the smartest of the, of the, of the pack, you know. Some, some of our kids that you have here in Stony Brook, you know, they are driven. OCD is a little bit in there somewhere. And, and uh, their desk has to look a certain way and their papers have to look a certain way. And you may have another kid. Not so, you know. The papers are jammed into their desk. And when you pull them out, you have to straighten them all out to just figure out you got one of those. Okay. So everybody's got a little bit of an interesting standard. We're going to look at a standard today that is pretty doggone high. The standard is holiness. I was looking at a, a little uh, uh, article about John Quincy Adams, uh, one of our four fathers uh, of our nation. John Quincy Adams apparently has held more offices than anyone else in the history of the United States. He served with distinction as a president, a senator, a congressman, a minister, to various uh, uh, European powers. He participated in all kinds of uh, ca capacities in the American Revolution. He was a, a big figure in the War of 1812 and all of the events leading up to the Civil War. This guy was a dude, John Quincy Adams. And yet at the age of 70, with all of that behind him, all of those things accomplished, all those things that he, that he had done. Here's what he wrote. My whole life has been a succession of disappointments. I can scarcely reflect or recollect a single instance of success in anything that I ever undertook. So being president, senator, congressman, minister to several European powers, participated in all kinds of things in key times of our our country's life that doesn't matter we we set standards for ourselves in a in an interesting way and god's come along now in first peter and set a standard for us and at first glance we recoil because we say no way jose so i want you to stay with me through the lesson today we're going to talk about the what and the when and the how of holiness. So let's look at uh, verse uh, 15, I think, is the one I want to start with today. I'll start with verse 13 just to get us in the context. Therefore, chapter uh, 1, therefore prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But 
Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now there's the standard. Be ye holy because I am holy. Immediately we get to thinking that, that holiness is perfection. And it is not. It is not a biblical standard to be perf perfect. We can, we can uh, Im Im uh, impress upon that that, the, that we can impress that thought on us if we think about some of the key figures in the Old Testament. I wrote down Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, and Peter. What do you know about Noah? What, what was a lack of perfection in Noah's life? He comes off the ark, and what's the first thing he does? Plants a vineyard, makes sure he, he gets enough wine or enough uh, grapes to make some wine, and he gets snockered, right? I'm not seeing a lot of holiness there. What about Abraham? lied, not once, but twice about his wife. Didn't want, didn't want to be seen as, as her husband, uh, all the difficulties with the people in Egypt, so he just lies about it. What about Moses? Well, when he comes to his senses and says, oh, I'm going to be the leader of these people, he goes outside, he sees someone picking on a Israelite, and what does he do? He kills them. He murders them. Tries to bury the body. Some people see it and go, oh, what a leader are you? Not a lot of perfection there. David, when everyone goes to war and he should have gone to war as well, he stayed behind in his house, went up on the roof, spied out the land and saw the lady next door. I don't know that she was next door, but the lady next door and ended up having a horrible affair with her. And, and if that wasn't enough, makes the, the situation worse by having her husband killed. A murderer. Peter, New Testament, writer of our book. Every time he turned around, Jesus says, get your foot out of your mouth. To the extent that the night before he died, he cursed and swore and say, said, I don't know him. These are the people that are put in the Bible as, an examples, as examples to us. Do you see any perfection in any of them? No. And of course, the verses will, will reinforce that. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No matter what our intentions, no matter how sweet you are, and some of you are really sweet, no matter how godly, and many of you are very godly, no matter what those standards are, you fall short. If we went in the, in the gymnasium and we said, let's see how far you can jump how high you can jump. We had those little ticky things that you tick over when you jump. And maybe Mona says, I, I can jump, I don't know, six feet in the air. A little impossible, Mona, but let's say you said that. And the rest of us go four feet, three feet, I don't know, let's try. So we go in there, wham, wham, wham. And let's say out of the nowhere, Mona actually gets up there six feet and whops it over. Excellent. The standard was three feet from the roof. Nobody makes it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. First uh, John chapter one, verse number eight says, if, if you say you have no sin, the truth is not in you. You are a liar, 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 liar. The standard for holiness is not perfection. I read one little quote. It said, the pursuit of excellence is gratifying. And it, and, it, and it has a healthy attitude associated with it. But the pursuit of perfection is frustrating and neurotic and a terrible waste of time because it isn't going to be met.
You can say to yourself, we are going to have the holiday of all holidays. This year, Christmas is going to be perfect at our house. And I guarantee it will not be perfect. Because on the authority of my nature and yours, we are not perfect. So the standard for holiness, be ye holy as I am holy, has to be something else. Well, many in our, in our history of, of Christianity have said, well, it, it, it's the pursuit of, uh, of, of uh, asceticism. I may not be pronouncing that right. Asceticism, yeah, it is. These are the extreme examples of, of being ugly to ourselves in pursuit of perfection and ultimately holiness. So people have done things like, sit on poles in the 200s and 300s years after Jesus. They, they, I don't know who came up with the first idea, but somebody did, to put a pole in the ground, climb up on the pole, put a little platform on the top of the pole, and not come down. Live their lives sitting on poles. They were called stylites. And, and that's what they did. That to show their perfection, they would not come down off of that pole. You can think of all the things that would be weird about that. And, and yet... The pursuit was, I'm supposed to be showing everyone around me how godly I am and how, in pursuit of holiness, how far I've come. Others, years further down, started doing things like chaining their bodies to rocks. I, I, I will be chained to this rock for the rest of my life. I will eat grass because that's the only thing around me. Uh, others have been alone in caves. We talk about monks and many, many uh, spiritual groups having come out of these monks going into caves and, and copying scripture and doing other spiritual things. But in the long haul, all they were doing was trying to, to cut back so that they could be seen as perfect or pursuing holiness. Um, some in our culture today, not our immediate culture, but in our world today, in the Philippines, for example, around Easter time, you can see people going down through the villages with whips in their hands, self-flagellation, whipping themselves to death. Not maybe to death, but wh whipping themselves badly so as to say to the world, I am pursuing uh, uh, asceticism, I am, I am pursuing uh, perfection, I'm trying to show my holiness by 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 being ugly, if you will, to my flesh. That those same folks, if you watched, um, which one of the Dan Brown movies was it? Maybe Angels and Demons, I don't remember. But the, the monk that, that went, went awry and he was, he was doing all kinds of things to himself, self-flagellation being one of them. Another one is they, they would take a cork and they called it a, 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 a spugna. And this piece of cork they would shove in, you know, like needles and, and um, nails and brads and things that poked and hurt. And they would hold that, that, uh, that piece of sponge to and then slam it on their chest with the intent to cause great harm and show I'm pursuing holiness. Um, or they had a, a chain thing they'd put around their legs and, and they would tighten it and tighten it and tighten it and tighten it until it was just cutting into their skin, blood running down. And this is a sign of, I'm holy, I'm pursuing holiness, I'm pursuing holiness. None of that is what Peter's talking about when he says, you be holy uh, because I'm holy. It's written, be holy because I'm holy. It's not perfection. It, it's not a, an extreme, severe, um, weird kind of way of, of uh, showing yourself pain or, or difficulty. What holiness is, according to the scriptures, is just something being set aside. 
the root of that word, uh, it means to separate. And we've talked about this before. If there were four cups of water up on my, on my uh, podium here today, and I picked this, this one, and I moved it over here, and eventually I did this, this cup of water is now holy. These four out here, they're not. So what made this cup of water holy? I touched it? No. It was set aside. It had a specific use. It came out of the, 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 uh, the pile and it was set aside for a very specific use. It became, by definition, holy, set aside. Um, when we think about that, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, those root words show up a ton of time, over 300 times. He talks about holiness, and, and in every case, the definition might be to set aside, to, set, to separate. So when we talk about the pursuit of happiness, be, you hol be holy because I am holy, you be holy because I'm holy, what holiness is, is the act of being set aside for a specific use. There is something in the mind of God when, when salvation occurs in the life of the believer where he leans down and goes, great, now let's pursue holiness. You have been selected. You've been set aside. You're, there is a purpose for your life and the choices that you make. And in pursuit of those choices, those things are called holiness. Or the pursuit might be a theological term, sanctification. We are sanctified when we're set aside, when we've been set aside for a purpose. Um, I put a quote in your notes today out of one of the doctrine books. It says, if regeneration had to do with our nature, what does the word regeneration mean? To be born again. So if to be born again, these are theological terms here. If to be born again has to do with our nature, we're no longer lost, we are now saved, great, now, there's another theological word, justification. And justification simply means that we have made, been made holy. He, he justified us as if we had never sinned. Another theological term. So we've got regeneration. We've been born again. We've got justification. We are made as if we had never sinned. And we've been adopted. We all could identify with that. We now have a position in his family, not because we will necessarily do that, but because he adopted us and put us in. And then the theological word sanctification, having to do with our character, having to do with our conduct. After those things are true, you've been reborn. After you've been justified as if you had never sinned, after you have been uh, uh, adopted and put into the family of God, now let me see something. Let's see some holiness. Sanctification. Now what's interesting about the word sanctification is it has two perspectives to it, two ways of looking at it. One of it is for us to be separated away from something. And another is a, a, a sense in which we are separated to something. So, so let's, let's take an example here. Uh, in in uh, 2 Chronicles 29.5, I put it in your notes today. He's, the, the, the Bible says, Listen to me, Levites. Consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your fathers. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. So separate from evil. Pull away. When you first got saved, there was a process that's still going on to this day. No matter how many years you've known the Lord, you, you are being separated from evil. 
in the early days, it was easy because it was very clear. Ooh, I can't do that anymore. No, thank you. No, that doesn't line up. Oh, separate from that one. Easy. And then maybe there was another one of some friends and you had a certain activity that you did with your friends and now you're a believer and you're looking, oh, no, that's not good. I'm separating from that. Some of those were pretty easy in the beginning. Well, what about attitudes now? Those are not so easy. I'm done with the, the things. Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't hang out with them. Okay, I'm, I'm good with that. 52 years later in my walk with Christ, I'm all right with that one. But what's, what we're at now is attitude thoughtfulness or the lack thereof the application of the fruit of the spirit joy and peace and long suffering oh, patience take that one out and I'd be further along but I'm not nor are you don't sit and laugh at me but we were separated from something if we're going to become holy we got to get out of that crowd stop doing that change that okay but there's another sense in which we get sanctified. And that's we get to something. We're not going away from something. We're moving into something. I gave you a verse in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. It says, if a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared for every good work. There are things that we are pulled into, into the presence of God, that, that aid our, our sanctification. I gave you an example uh, a couple of weeks ago about disciplining my goddaughter, Brianna, that if I did it right, if I was patient and kind and I was not reactive and in anger, and whatever the discipline was, when we were finished with the discipline, Brianna wanted in my lap. She did not recoil away. She wanted in my lap. When we were in Dallas, I was sitting on the couch and all of a sudden, here came this 34-year-old woman cl clamoring up with dog in hand into my lap. What is going on here? That sense of wanting to be near, even in the context of discipline, is exactly what he's talking about here. We, when we recognize God's love is motivating that driving us away from something to himself, we embrace that. Please let me get in your lap. Maybe I won't do that anymore. Maybe I'll have a better chance to stop in that. Change my attitude. Fix that. There's a sense in which I want closer, not further away. I want closer. And that's part of the sanctification. That's part of the becoming holy moving away from some things, moving towards Him. Now you say, I don't really get the idea of sanctification. I don't really get this, you know, selected, set aside, now it's sanctified. What does that mean? Well, the best place to look is in our Bible, because in the Old Testament particularly, there are all kinds of things that were set aside for the service of Yahweh. They were no longer common. They became holy because he set him aside for a use that he, he, he prescribed. So in Numbers, an example, put it in your notes, for all the firstborn, he's talking about all the firstborn in Egypt. When I strike down all the firstborn in Egypt, I'm going to set apart for myself every firstborn in Israel, whether a man or an animal. They are to be mine. I am the Lord. He said, I'm going to do some sanctifying, some setting apart, and give you an example of what this theological term really means. And then he started doing all kinds of things. Days were set aside. For the Orthodox Jew, what day is set aside? What day is sanctified? 
Saturday, Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. And if they're an Orthodox Jew, their behavior reflects that. Now, if they're just a, you know, a, a ceremonial Jew, that all, they, all that means is you know, they stay home and meet family and have some good stuff to eat and move on. But if they're Orthodox Jew, that, that day is set aside, excuse me, set aside in a very specific way. So days were set aside. Places were sanctified in the Old Testament. Certain houses could be redeemed or set aside as a, as, a, as a holy place. Certain fields where they were growing things, the tabernacle itself, and ultimately the temple, they were sanctified. They were set aside. Priests, not anybody could go in to the temple or to the tabernacle and offer various uh, sacrifices, they had to be sanctified. They had to be set aside. They had to be in pursuit of holiness. Do you remember, the story will come up in, uh, in the next few weeks uh, uh, about Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. And, and the great story that's in our Bible that talks about that, first part of Luke, I believe, uh, he was a, a, a priest, he was a Levite. It was his turn to, to light the incense in, in, the te in the temple. And that's a big deal and it only happens once in a year. And he had to be set aside as a Levite, as a priest, as an anointed guy in order to go in and do that. Not, not just anybody could have gone, gone in and lit the uh, incense. Not even just any old Levite or any old priest. It had to be a specific one, a specific time set aside for that purpose. God gave us lots of examples of sanctification. And then the nation of Israel as a whole, it was to be different. Why did he choose Israel to be his people? The Bible says they're not smarter or taller or bigger or stronger or more mighty. He chose them so that he could have a, a living, breathing lesson to show you and I how he wants to deal with people. They will be my people. I will be their God. They will be with me. I will be with them. Establishing a pattern over a people group that didn't deserve it any more than you or I deserve the, the, the fruits of our salvation. But it's an example. He set them aside. Be ye holy. Okay. There is a, a, a moral or, I mean, I struggled with the, calling it a practical meaning, but it is practical in the sense that it, it has to do with cleansing. I put a, a theological note in there. It says, since no unclean person nor thing can be set apart to God for his use, sanctification includes and presupposes cleaning. Now, um, uh, cleaning is a fun thing. Um, I, am, I am excellent at cleaning uh, restrooms. Bathrooms are my specialty. If you're cleaning up for the holidays, you need a little, a little help in your restrooms, call me. I am a specialist. You say, how did you get to be a specialist? Well, in my childhood, as tumultuous as it was, when the stress and strain of the mother relationship was awful and horrible, I would head to the bathroom with Comet and a rag. And I would turn the shower on and I could cry my little eyeballs out. Nobody knew what I was doing. Boy, I cleaned the bathroom. So I have experience and I am good at cleaning the bathroom. You could eat off of things that normally you wouldn't consider because I've got that experience. The point being is cleansing has to do with holiness. We're not holy just because he set us aside and now we can be the yuck of the litter. But because he set us aside, there's now a process of cleanliness that's going to go on. We're going to clean. We're going to, we're going to get stripped. We're going to get comet. It, it's a happening thing.
When you became a believer, you were instantly adopted. Yes, you were put into the family of God. Yes, your, your account was stamped, justified, good, really good. You were redeemed, born again. Yes, stamped, good, wonderful. But now there is a process that goes on towards the pursuit of, of holiness. And that process includes cleaning. You don't stop taking showers just because you took one. You don't stop wearing clean clothes. You don't stop brushing your teeth. You pursue that by brushing your teeth, by doing all those other things. And spiritually, we're cleansed by the Word of God. You know, in John 15, verse number 3, you are already clean because of the Word I have spoken to you. There has to be the Word in our lives in pursuit of holiness. Ephesians 5.26 says, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word. So when, when the pastor gets up, your Bible teacher gets up and says, every single one of us need to be in this book every single day. There needs to be a time set aside when we read God's Word and look to apply it. We're not just saying those words because, oh, that's, that's what you know, spiritual people do. No, because the Word of God then provides the comment, the cleaning, the, 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 the scratching out of the things that we allowed maybe the day before to get into our mind or our heart. I saw a little ditty and I wrote it down in my notes. Here's the, here's the comment. He says, live so that the preacher can tell the truth at your funeral. <laughs> live so the preacher can tell the truth at your funeral. You know, not perfect, but, but being cleaned up. You know, uh, there is a, a desire, if we, when we go to Renee's house, I guarantee you Renee's house is going to look perfect. You could take white gloves, that's what we're doing, we're all wearing white gloves. <laughs> you could take white gloves, show up at Renee's house, and start in the, you know, the bottom floor and work your way up, and they're going to be white. She's going to kill her kids if they do something at the, at the kitchen table that morning, right? No, you're not eating here, eat in the car. I don't have to miss it up, because people are coming. I, I get it. The truth of the matter is, we should be more diligent about our heart than we are at our kitchen counter or our bathrooms or our living rooms or anywhere else. When I got in Brianna's car in Texas, I went, wow, this car is gorgeous. She goes, yeah, you should have seen it yesterday. <laughs> she knows I have a thing about a clean car. And so hers was remarkable. And then her, <laughs> her boyfriend was teasing her. Did you, did you tell Did you tell Sherry you cleaned it yesterday? Uh, I knew it was obvious. Clean, cleaning is a, is a part of the process, though, and it's out of God's word. If you never are in God's word, there's no cleaning taking place. If you just show up at church, listen, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, scroll through through the, through the word of God on your phone, close it, and walk out, and never again for seven days do you encounter his 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 voice through his word then it's going to be crusty. There's going to be crumbs. There's going to be stuff. You're going to find ways to be selfish or self-centered or lacking in patience or lacking in kindness or, or, or being mean-spirited about something. You're going to find a way to put self on the throne. I know you will because I do. So what I have to do, and you too, is get in here regularly. Don't let it, don't let it crust up. Don't let, don't let it become a, a major deal. It's a minor deal. It's a, a wipe off and drop into the trash can. Great. But if you leave it there for any period of time, now, you know, we got to get the chisel out to get that stuff off. 
And that doesn't feel good. That's what happens. So I, I wanted to talk to you about the what and, and the when. So I want to talk about the when now. That, the what is the holiness, the pursuit of sanctification. When? When does all this happen? Well, first off, there's a judicial sense. There's three senses in which our holiness ap appears. One is judicially. As if a judge were sitting on the throne, he, he picked up his mallet, he looked out and he saw Sherry Whirl, and he goes, ah, Sherry Whirl, yes, she has been born again, yes, she has been justified, yes, I can see that uh, she is pursuing uh, holiness, boom, she has been, in fact, instantaneously made, made sanctified, holy, right there, there she is, boom, a judicial decree. Now, that judicial decree happened when I, when I uh, put my faith and trust in, in Jesus Christ. It was, a, it was a, uh, an instantaneous thing. At the moment of salvation, judicially, as if he were a judge on a throne or in a, in a courtroom, I was made holy in a judicial sense. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 says, And that is what some of you are, but you were washed. He's referring to uncleanness. But you were washed. You were sanctified, which just means made holy. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. It happened. When did it happen? At the point of salvation. Yes, the believer is going to grow in, uh, in sanctification, but he's not going to grow uh, you know, uh, in meaning that, that it's uh, an ongoing kind of thing. It is in one sense, but in this sense, it's a simple act of faith in Christ. The believer is at once put into a state of sanctification. Every Christian is sanctified in a, in a, sense, in a judicial sense. So if someone asks you, are you holy? If, if you want to, you can turn to him and say, are you asking in a judicial sense? And the answer is yes, I am. By decree, boom. When I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, that's great. But what happens with the daily stuff? What happens, you know, when I'm not feeling like a saint, even though uh, we are all believers called saints in the Bible? What, what, what happens about the progressiveness or the experiential, the everyday stuff? In a judicial sense, yes, declared holy, sanctified. But in a day-to-day -day basis, mm, mm, some days more than others, you'll grant that. Some, some uh, friendships encourage it better than others. Some activities better focused on it. It is, in, in a different sense, an experiential, progressive kind of sanctification. Excuse me. I am becoming holy. It, it implies the idea of, of growth. We're not done yet. You know, I have been, by the merits of Jesus, declared sanctified, but on the merits of my obedience, mm, some days yes, some days no. Some situations I rise up by the power of the Holy Spirit and do well in my response. Other days I'm in the flesh just like you, and in the flesh I don't rise up. Uh, towards holiness. On an everyday experiential basis, I have to work at that. Second Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory now and forever. The idea is I have to grow. I need help. You're going you're gonna to buy a bunch of toys. Some of you, your kids are still in the toy stage. 
Um, but you're going to buy a bunch of toys, and one 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 of the problems at uh, I don't know about midnight the night before. Uh, Christmas is you're going to look down at that box and you're going to read these words, batteries not included, <laughs> right? You've all been there, obviously. Used to be the joke, who's going to buy all the batteries the week before Christmas? Just, you know, any number of them, who cares? I don't know where we need them, but get some batteries in this house. Battery, battery is not included. But in, in God's gift of holiness, he always includes the power of the Holy Spirit to make it work, that we can move on every single day by his power. A progressive sense of holiness can and should be taking place. Somebody should be able to look at our lives over a period of time and say, Cynthia is not the same as when I first met her. She just isn't. I'm not saying she's perfect, but I'm saying there's been some work there. There's been some progressive holiness taking place. Arrived at the destination? Maybe not. I certainly am not. But moving forward, so experientially there is a progressive sanctification. And finally, and this one is a cool one, there will be a, finally, a final all bets are off, complete and final sanctification. There is a moment in our future when God will God will declare us to be holy and able to be in his presence for all of eternity and it's done. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23, may God himself the God of peace sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. When he returns there will be complete sanctification. He is going to establish our hearts. We are going to be unblameable in holiness before him. When we see him we're going to be like him. All those things are true in the scriptures. <laughs> now we joked when we were going through the um, stages of, of, of uh, Jesus' return. We were talking about the rapture, and I, I told you that I was, I was a pre-rapture. I, I, believe, I believe in the rapture, and I believe the rapture will happen pre-trib. And I jokingly said to you, if he doesn't come before the tribulation starts, then, then I'm a mid-trib. You know, and if he doesn't come in the middle of the tribulation, well, then I'm a, a hard and fast post-trib. I'm just going to move my theology along. My point being, though, that at the moment that he does return, whether it's on my time clock or not, at that moment, no more is it experiential on my holiness. It's done. No more struggle. No more do this, don't do that, stop doing this, repent of this, repent of that, fix this, fix that, a little more of this, a little less of that. All done. There is a complete and a final sanctification. The setting aside that he starts when we got saved finally ends when he says, that's it. I'm coming down. I'm setting the record straight. We're closing this part off. We're going to the new heaven and the new earth. Last chapter, next to the last chapter of Revelation. So the when, when are we being made holy? When, are, when does sanctification happen? Well, it judicially happens at salvation. It experientially ha happens as we allow ourselves to be cleansed by the power of the word. And then it ultimately happens upon his return and the, and the new stages of what he's going to do with the earth at that time. So we got the what, we got the when. Let's talk a little bit about the how. Well, from a divine perspective, sanctification is all about God. It's all a work, it's, it's all his job from a divine perspective. 
the, the, the work of the Father is involved, the work of the, the Son, Jesus Christ is involved, the work of the Holy Spirit is involved. I gave you lots of verses to, to prove that point. It is a work of God. I will tell you in my own life when I struggle with a particular thing and I've identified it and I don't want it in my life and I don't want that there. I have to go to the Lord and, and, and ask him, please, Lord, help me with this. I need help. I need help. I need help from the Holy Spirit. I need help from the Son. I need help from God the Father. I just need some help. So he's prepared to do that because it is a work. That is, sanctification is in, in some senses a work of God. But it is also... And this is the part that we have to own up. It is a work of our lives, our, our spirits, our choices. So from the human perspective, there are, there are maybe three things that we got to think about. One is making certain that our faith is in the redemptive work of Jesus. There's no holiness unless we understand who and what Christ is and claim him as our Savior. We're not getting there. The nicest people you know, and, and there are a lot of unsaved, wonderful, nice people, but the nicest people you know are not going to stand in the presence of God for all eternity and enjoy his presence. They're not. Because without a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, no matter how sweet and kind and loving and, and, and all those uh, other attributes, no matter how many of those are present, if the redemptive work of Christ has not been applied to their life, they will not stand with him for all eternity. So we have to have faith. We have to have a moment when we came to Christ and said, yes, I'm putting my faith in you. I don't know when it was for you. I know when it was for me. It was, it was a, almost a judicial moment. It was a sign, a contract kind of moment. It was, a, it was a, I get it, done. Faith in the redemptive work of Christ. But then there is another element, and that's the study and the submission to God's word. You know, cleansed by the word, washing of the water through the word. There are so many illustrations of letting this book have its way with you. So I, over the weekend, I was working on this lesson. I was writing a, a couple of blogs that were on totally different topics in, in the scriptures. And as I was flipping back and forth in my Bible, I, I realized that I hadn't read First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians in, in a very long time. And as I was passing through, I went, ooh, ooh, I, I want to I get, I don't have time, oh, I don't have time to die. Ooh, I need to get in there. And then I was doing something else and I was working through some things and I ended up uh, passing by uh, the book of Hebrews. And I went, I haven't been in Hebrews in a long time. Oh, I, I need to get in Hebrews. I, just, I need to set aside some time and get in Hebrews. Almost like I would about a cupcake. <laughs> or, or, or a good piece of chocolate or a good barbecue. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Because I know the impact in my life. I know what happens when I set me aside and I get in the book. So for the, for the how of sanctification, first, our faith in Christ, and second, our, our commitment to the Word of God. And lastly, then, our desire to 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 eradicate those things that, that stand between us and God. You know your, your oopsies. You know what you're weakest at. You know those things that impact your relationship with the Lord. And it may not be anything like the gal sitting next to you. But if we don't do some work on those, for, uh, Corinthians says, purify ourselves, then, then there's never going to be any progress. We have to kind of identify it. This is, this is this season, Lord, and I'm struggling here. And I, I need to own it and, and, and call it out 
and, and get to work on dealing with it. Because if not, there is no holiness. Deuteronomy chapter 5, it's my so what verse. You know, if holiness is sanctification, and all these things I've just told you about sanctification are true, how, how, do, we, how do we make that possible in our lives? Deuteronomy 5, 29, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me, and to keep all my commands also, so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and to keep my commands. Peter's injunction in our passage in uh, verse 15 to, to be holy as he is holy, that holiness comes from our wanting to be obedient to, to Christ. Um, a holy life, a life spent in pursuit of sanctification will make the deepest impression on people around us, not the other stuff. Not, not the other things we do. Light, lighthouses, they don't blow any horns. They just shine. We blow horns with all kinds of other behavior. But that's not what changes people's lives. What changes people's lives is, you know, light. Light. Be holy. Let's pray. Father, tough subject. A lot of, lot of theological things in there. What is holiness? It's the pursuit of sanctification. What, when does it happen? Well, judicially and experientially and ultimately. And then, Lord, uh, you know, how do we do that? Part of it is yours that you did at our point of salvation, and the rest of it is our pursuit. Help us to pursue you in holiness. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So it would have been no fun without you today. <laughs> let, me, let me ask.